the Feast of Tabernacles explained and we go into the now and the not yet and some new revelation to me anyway about how to walk it out hallelujah welcome back everybody I am so glad to be talking with you about the feasts of Israel the Moed the appointed times of God and we are just now entering into what we're used to calling the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Ingatherings or Sukkot. Sukkot is merely plural for the word sukkah which is the word that we're translating as booths or possibly tabernacles okay so this is the seventh of the feasts and the last one in the year after atonement and of course there are three layers anyway that's the way I conceive of it is let's talk about the original meaning the command of God and we'll read some scripture to you let's open up the scripture and read that and then of course there's the fulfillment that we find in Jesus and then there's the prophetic or the eschatological meaning because it's all prophetic but the end time meaning but I was saying something about this to somebody as I was talking in the last week or so and she was she had just told me that she was just just now exploring the feast just now had heard about them and she was uh, setting aside a day to read scripture and, and pray and after I you know jabbered I really felt convicted that no she's got it right <laughs> it's really about connecting with the Lord that's what the point here is not knowing some kind of esoteric knowledge yes it's about connecting with the Lord and let's hold that thought okay so we know that we learn about tabernacles in Leviticus 23 that's the foundational scripture for all of the feasts so let's just read that Leviticus 23 starting in verse 26 and I'm going to read from the New American Standard because that's fairly modern English and usually pretty good uh, pretty exact translation from the original and the Lord his personal name here spoke to Moses saying on exactly the tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement it shall be a holy convocation to you and you shall humble your souls and present an offering by fire to the Lord oh well I chose the wrong verse but let's just keep going you don't mind hearing scripture do you okay neither shall you do any work on the same day for it is a day of atonement to make atonement on your behalf before the Lord your God if there is any person who will not humble himself on the same day he shall be cut off from his people as for any person who does any work on this same day that person I will destroy from among his people and you shall do no work at all and it shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generation in all your dwelling places it is to be a Sabbath of complete rest to you and you shall humble your souls on the ninth of the month at evening 
from evening until evening you shall keep your Sabbath. Oh, was that just a little bit repetitive? I think God doesn't want, didn't want anybody doing work on the Day of Atonement. And of course, that speaks so highly to us of Jesus and of grace. We can't atone for our sins by much work. Leviticus 23, Leviticus 23 and verse 33. And again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel saying, on the 15th day of the seventh month is the feast of booths for seven days to the Lord. Interestingly, it says, verse 35, on the first day is a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work of any kind. 36, for seven days you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have holy convocation and present an offering by fire to the Lord. It is an assembly, and you shall do no laborious work. These are the appointed times of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as a holy convocation to present offerings by fire to the Lord, burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and libations, each day's matter on its own day, besides those of the Sabbaths of the Lord, and besides your gifts, and besides all your votive and freewill offerings which you give to the Lord. On exactly the fifteenth day of the seventh month, so that's what I was remembering here, on exactly, and it says on exactly in verse 27 about the Day of Atonement too, Verse 39, on exactly the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the crops of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord for seven days, with a rest on the first day and a rest on the eighth day. And now now on the first day you should take for yourself the foliage of beautiful trees, palm branches, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall thus celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year, and it shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month, and you shall live in booths for seven days. All the native-born in Israel shall live in booths, so that your generations may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them out from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses declared to the sons of Israel the appointed times of the Lord. So there's a whole lot to say and unpack there. But you get the the deal is that after the Day of Atonement, where there's repentance, then there is a holiday of for eight days gathering in temporary shelters beautifully adorned with foliage and often the practice is fruited boughs so that you can relax with your family and friends in booths and just reach up and take a piece of fruit and of course there's also other goodies usually to share and um, so but there's also a lot of sacrificing and of course this is not what you see today because we don't have the temple and um, we don't, we're not able to do that in the same way, but sacrificing is part of the holy life. And of course, there is a spiritual meaning for that. And so we're going to return to some of these elements again.
Also, I want to bring up Deuteronomy 16 and 13. 16 and 13. And you shall celebrate the Feast of Booths seven days after you have gathered in from your threshing floor and your wine vat. And you shall rejoice in your feast, you and your sons and your daughters and your male and your female servants and the Levite and the stranger and the orphan and the widow who are in your towns. Seven days you shall celebrate a feast to the Lord your God in the place where the Lord chooses because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands so that you shall be altogether joyful. Three times a year shall all your males appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses at the feast of unleavened bread, at the feast of weeks, and at the feast of booths. And they shall not appear the Lord before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord which he has given you. And so forth. So, hallelujah. So this is the basic understanding. And it was a a perpetual um, meeting time convocation. And why? Because they were remembering the deliverance from Egypt when they lived in temporary shelters before they got to the land. So the original meeting is that, but also it's a feast of ingathering of harvest. So So that's the basic understanding. And do you see Jesus shining through here? So just as Jesus is our atonement, so Jesus fulfills tabernacles. He is Emmanuel, God with us. So Jesus has delivered us, but Jesus brings us in. We are saved in order to be utterly and fully saved right? So Jesus brings us into the land and he is the full tabernacling of God with man, God and man in him, in his own being. And then we in him. And then of course, prophetically, um, and in the end time, that will be fully manifested. It's not fully manifested, but I want you to understand the nowness of it. We are one with God now because of Jesus' atonement. And we can live in God and God in us now. This is why it's good news. If we had to wonder if we were going to pass judgment, if we had to wonder if we're going to make it through the Great Tribulation, if we had to wonder if we are going to get manifested, by some work of ourselves. That's not that great of news. <laughs> but this is the good news. That's what it's called, the gospel. So Jesus has fulfilled the feast. And we get to rejoice for that. But of course, then there is the third layer, the eschatological layer, when all of this is fulfilled more literally, one might say. And so, yes, we're in Jesus. And yes, that should be manifesting in our lives now. But the scripture does talk about one day when there will be manifested sons of God. And and most people read some of the prophetic literature that says everybody will come up to the 
to Jerusalem on the feast. And if they don't, they won't have any rain. And most people think that, that this is a literal thing um, it, during the millennium. Okay, and we'll, we'll leave that there. Because I want to really focus on the spiritual and now meaning of this. You know, it, it's just... It's just so amazing. So I could work really hard to get seven things, but let's just notice the elements here in Leviticus 23. First, there's rest. So we rest in Christ. We rest in the grace of Christ and the finished work of the cross. Do you, do you notice? Jesus said, it is finished. And theologians often talk about the finished work of the cross. But it's a, a proleptic. It's a now and a not yet because we don't see the whole world fully at one and at peace yet. But we know that he has overcome. He did overcome. And he has sit down in heaven until earth has made his footstool, until all things are under his feet. But we're in him. <laughs> So it, it's an amazing, it's not a paradox. It's, it's proleptic. It's the now and the not yet. So rest. Secondly is rejoicing. Isn't it wonderful that we can rejoice now? We have a proleptic rejoicing because we know the end of the story. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. So knowing the end of the story, we can get there, even though it's a miraculous story. We rejoice. Actually, I, I didn't find the scripture, but I think it's a scripture. But if not, it's certainly a tradition that the Jews will be drinking wine while they are celebrating Sukkot. In fact, there's a conversation in the Messianic community of like, let's not get carried away with this drinking business. <laughs> but anyway, it's a, it's a feast. It's a feast. And don't we feast every day? If we will turn our eyes upon Jesus, we will have a feast every day. But for some reason, we think it's more responsible to look at the world. <laughs> we need to turn our eyes on Jesus and be fully rooted in that as we, as we have worked to manifest holiness in our lives, and you know, which is all of what is symbolized there in the Feast of Atonement. Then we are pure enough for Jesus to inhabit. And if we try to become pure, somehow we we fall into legalism and it, it just doesn't work. But if we look at Jesus, then he manifests that he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I'm reading a book right now by Jamie Lynn Wallnow, and she really has a hold of this, this concept and I'm going to try to find a good quote. All right, so this is her book, Holy Revolution, Finding True Satisfaction in a Life Set Apart. So she talks about an encounter she had with the Lord. She was working for the Lord, but she wanted to be with him. She was running a conference, and rather than do the administrative work, she took some time out to have an encounter with the Lord, which is exactly what the agreement was. 
Remember, as you look back at the encounter I had with the Lord, He took everything out of me that was not holy and replaced it with the perfect heart. He wants to do the same for all of us. All we need to do is water our heart with His Spirit and feed it with His Word. Every action we take moving forward will come from this place. So she's talking about this. Looking to the Lord is what we need to do. And he cleanses us. He makes us holy. And then he can inhabit. And that gives us the true satisfaction. Not not the result of our works, although that seems satisfactory, <laughs> fulfilling from the human point of view. But anyone who's tasted that living in the spirit knows there's there's nothing like that that's true satisfaction now in verse 37 and 38 sacrifices are specified offerings by fire to the lord burnt offerings and grain offerings sacrifices and libations which you know is sacrifice of pouring out liquid water or wine and I think perhaps this time it was actually water, if I remember what I've seen in some Judaica websites. But anyway, and it specifies besides those normally offered on the Sabbath and besides your gifts and besides your votive offering, food will offering. So individuals would give some, but the camp specifically for the Feast of Tabernacles gave specific sacrifices. And again, I'm going to enthuse about um, Jamie Lynn Wall now. I just came from a conference, and there was a lot of emphasis in the worship and in the words about giving up your disappointments, giving up your offenses, and so forth. And sure, some of the women were sacrificing the desires of the flesh in some more obvious things like giving up their smoking, drinking, porn. But some of us <laughs> had some real work to do in terms of the inner work. And I think it was Jamie. Anyway, somebody said, God sees your inner work even more than your outer work. And certainly, I can testify, it does wonders when you sacrifice even those hurt feelings because those kind of hurt feelings and the anger and the resentment even toward God can block the intimacy with Jesus and therefore without the sacrifice there is not the tabernacling without the sacrifice not just the sacrifice of not doing those things that we know are not good you know there's nothing in the Bible that says thou shalt not several things, right? Thou shalt not have cigarettes. But we know it's not healthy. <laughs> and we know it's not holy. And, you know, some of the women testified about their eating disorder problems and, and so forth. But we talked a lot about about disappointments. You know, you've lived long enough. <laughs> you get some disappointments. Or you get some hurt feelings because people have persecuted you for being righteous for your contributions and offenses when people literally have done the wrong thing or your disappointment from from your service even to God and sacrifice that 
being willing to sacrifice that and let you know give that as a gift to the Lord getting well I, I, getting over that is maybe not the best language because that that's not what that's not the language from the conference but letting the Lord do a work in you laying your whole life down being all in and hallelujah <laughs> when you're all in with Jesus then you're close to Jesus right so you're tabernacling with Jesus and in that kind of situation God can not just visit you but inhabit you know habitation going from visitation to habitation somebody else said okay so so that's to me that's the the serious meaning the spiritual meaning the point of the sacrifices Feast of Tabernacles is rest, rejoicing, feast. Notice that there is foliage of a tree and it's, it's fruit, it's harvest, it's harvest. So this is where we're going, is living with God. God loves us and we love God and that's great fulfillment. That's what we were created for that's that's the that's the harvest although we are looking for a harvest in terms of revival and there is an eschatological meaning we here at the end of times are looking for great harvests of souls but not just decisions for christ yes decisions for christ are wanted but not just that but whole lives uh, lived in christ and generations so that the generations may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. So it's rooted back in God's deliverance. And so is any eschatological habitation with us rooted in the work of Jesus the Christ. And, and it's wonderful. We get to celebrate this now. And yeah, it, why not literally celebrate it, but, but spiritually celebrate it. That we can live in Christ and Christ in us. And one day, everything will be subsumed in God. And, you know, that's the great, great vision of Ephesians. One, one final thought as I have used up time. I just have a, a short visit here. But, you know, we've talked about being like Jesus all these years. We've talked about this all these years. But we never thought about what that would be like. We never thought about the awesome nowness of it. And we never thought about what Jesus is like. So, yes, laid down lovers. Yes, warriors. What is Jesus' first foot forward? Read the Gospels. What is Jesus' first foot forward? It's miracles. The first thing he did was make some wine at a wedding. He let other people be happy. And the second thing, I think, was healing Peter's mother-in-law. That's the first foot forward. Jesus helped other people. And did so miraculously. So how, how did we 
skip over that part somehow. <laughs> I don't know. But how are we going to go around doing miracles? How are we going to really help people? Well, a lot of people have tried to help people. But, huh, um, you know, we, we've seen people burn down bil villages to save it. Burn down villages to save it. Um, try to improve planet Earth by killing a lot of people. That makes no sense. Uh, the same people brought devastation. Okay, because we only knew so much science. It's, it's, it's just not possible to do that much from a human mindset. It's too limited. It's only when we are rooted in the supernatural love of God that we can do things well. <laughs> all things well. Jesus did all things well. And for us to do miracles, the thing to do is to channel God. I mean, excuse the borrowing language from another camp, but that's how we would say it in modern English. Jesus is the healer, yes? Does anybody disagree with that? No. So, what, is, what does it mean to be like Jesus? Well, Jesus himself was really rooted in God. We saw him go away to pray, come back, perform some miracles, teach it, go away to pray. So it's not surprising that we would do that, <laughs> going away and praying. But we need to connect with God in our prayers so that we can do miracles. And wouldn't that be like the first step of being manifested sons? Let's go do it. But we're going to have to do it from a place of rest and rejoicing. And really, again, if you will overlook the borrowing of other language from another camp, it's really about our vibe. People feel our vibe. If we come with joyfulness They and love, they feel that. And, you know, in our humanness, we're often horrified by the darkness or we are burdened by the tasks and we have a lesser vibe. All right, so we're not manifested sons yet, but we are sons and we could be. We could dwell in the temporary place of fruitfulness with the Lord. And celebrate, and celebrate the nowness of habitation with God and the not yet that's coming. Hallelujah. God wants to save you to the uttermost. Jesus is Lord. He is risen. He is the lover of your soul and is the judge of all. Thank you so much. And may the Lord bless you. Please give us a like wherever you are listening to us so that others might find us. And please share directly with those who might be interested. You are invited to write us at sister at jesuspatternson.org. Sister at jesuspatternson.org. And of course, you are welcome to come to our website at jesuspatternson.org. May the Lord bless you. Okay, we'd love to hear from you. Please 
email me at sister at jesuspatternson.org or P.O. Box 971 Cedar Park, Texas 78613 and please tuck in a a support, a, a blessing for this ministry so that it can continue opening up the Word of God for you and paying for the uh, the tech and um, and the, of course that is entirely orderly Galatians 6 and 6 and let the one who has taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. And be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows. That will he also reap. So, that's what the word says. Okay. And uh, you can, um, of course, send a check to Sharon Sarles, S-A-R-L-E-S, or you can use um, the electronic means at jesuspatternson.org and PayPal will take your credit card if you don't have PayPal. This ministry is not a 501c3 and has no plans to be, so you won't get tax receipt. And But enjoy serving you, and thank you very much, and thank you for those who do support. And please write in any case, and also we are open to invitations. So write and invite. I would request a clear invitation because... There seems to be different memories about what the rules are. So uh, let's just make it clear and not get into confusion. Stay orderly, okay? But would love to come and open up the Word of God to you and uh, impart a blessing, okay? So let me bless you with the words of the ironic blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Amen.